0: And welcome to episode 25 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content.
1: Yep, exactly. Regular dudes drinking, well, irregular beer and talking about Magic, Magic the Gathering Arena in particular, and competitive play.
0: Yes. And then this week we are having our time Happy Hour episode, which we'll get to in a moment. And then also the Strixhaven League Weekend number one is coming up. So we're going to try to explain how that works to you, and... Uh, <laughs> we'll do our best. We'll do yeah. our best. And then we have some uh, some ideas about the Strixhaven spoilers that had come out this week as well. But first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, then rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap?
1: Well, I brought uh, a beer I have tried before, and one that I know I love. It's called Twice as Mad. It's an Imperial IPA by Muskoka Brewery, and... It's essentially a double version of their regular IPA which is called Mad Tom, which was one of the beers that kind of got me into craft beer in the first place. Oh. And I think this double version is better than that one. So. I'm Perfect. Excited for this. Wonderful. It's 8.4% if I didn't mention that. So.
0: Woof, nice. <laughs> uh, I brought a orange creamsick ale which is I get uh, it from Railway City. It's a cream ale with uh, orange flavors. It's 4.8% and it has a picture of a creamsicle on it. Picks the weird looking one. It's great, as usual. <laughs> why, why not? Great name. Uh, great oh, name. yeah. Orange creamsicle, like it. Uh, anyway,
1: in... Just rolls right off the tongue. Because you have to, like, over-accentuate the A to, like, creamsicle. <laughs> Cream- yeah,
0: it sounds like sick you ale, just say then. it quickly, it just sounds like creamsicle. Yeah, that's basically what I thought when I picked it up. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, magic news, we are finally finished with Strixhaven spoilers. Wow, they feel like they just came and went just like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, any uh,
1: any thoughts on the full spoiler that we have now?
0: Um, I haven't really sat down and looked at all of everything yet because um, it just seems like a, a lot to read. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of double face cards.
1: Well, the great news is you have until September to read them. Because <laughs> the power level on these cards is so much lower than Throne of Eldraine that I don't I don't see it making a huge impact until those cards are gone.
0: Yeah, so. Um, um but we'll see you know who who knows who knows
1: and it might take you till september to read all these yeah exactly
0: or actually just comprehend them i can read them all but i won't understand what any of them do
1: (laughs) yeah there's just so much text
0: yeah there's a lot of text it was surprising though because i was it is weird now that so official spoilers ended like last friday or something and now we're in like commander spoilers for the week leading up to the set actually releasing which feels odd to me Mm -hmm. um Whatever. This is because it's the uh, this is the big commander product that's coming out uh, is linked with this set. So that's why they're putting lots of emphasis on those decks specifically. Oh, like similar
1: to Throne of Eldraine had the, uh, the commander decks associated with
0: it? Uh, more so like Ikoria last year had the commander decks associated with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Eldraine had like a, some brawl decks that were smaller. Oh, um, right. Those were brawl decks. But the, yeah, this is like the big commander product of the year is coming out right now. So that's why they're putting a lot of focus on it. It's, it's the, like the Commander 2021. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, um, that's exactly what it is. So um, other weird news. There's a lot of strange things that were going on this week. So Yeah, the spoilers spoilers were, were strange. There were some <laughs> uh, problems, you know. Uh, just some, like, proofreading things where um, the regular card and then the extended art card had different mana costs. Or in some cases, yeah. they had different creature types. Um, some of them, it just had misprints in like the name was at the top, but then in the, the actual text of the card, the name was different. Um, weird things like that, where it's like, oh, these are proofreading problems that just got missed. Uh, but the biggest, most of those are actually getting fixed by the way. Um, they were like, it was just an image error that was given to somebody. They posted it and then everyone saw that. But when it went to the printers, apparently everything's fine. Um, However, for us on Arena, it doesn't really matter because they could change it whenever they want, so (laughs) it doesn't uh, have a huge issue with (laughs) us. Um,
1: Yeah, the the art switch was something that, uh, because you were telling me last time about how the Japanese art should mirror the regular card art, and I remember thinking that the art for Memory Lapse made no sense, the Japanese art.
0: So basically (laughs) what happened is Watsi had announced uh, they had seen a problem, is that uh, memory lapse and ephemerate the Japanese alt art versions? The the art had gotten swapped, um, and right, nobody the same artist did both pieces. Yes, um, so they're like, okay, that's what it is for that, and they just like kind of slapped it on the card and sent it to the printers. That one will not change, and they will <laughs> be the two that don't mirror their English counterparts for the um, right Mr. Uh, mystical archive
1: but then when i when i checked and found out about this the japanese art for memory lapse does mirror the regular art for ephemerate
0: (laughs) yeah japanese
1: art for ephemerate mirrors the regular art for memory lapse.
0: exactly so you're like oh okay they would work um but those are the ones that they couldn't catch it before it went to the printer so those are they're just going to be printed incorrectly quote unquote i guess it doesn't really matter that much um but just so everyone knows that's what happened with that um, kind of strange. And the artist had to be like, hello, nope, those were, that's the wrong one. And <laughs> yeah, that, that's the only they, way anybody realized. The artist yeah. posted it on Twitter. <laughs> and was like, whoops, no, that's not right. Um, yeah. So that's pretty pretty funny. It's not a huge thing, but it is showing. So there was a lot of backlash on um, wizards doesn't care about stuff and they're just trying to throw sets out and there's cards everywhere and blah, blah, you know, all that stuff, um, which is like my first initial feelings. However, most of the things that go on at wizards take about every sets about like two years or or more in the making. So there's a lot of talk of, Oh, this is we're seeing the effects of COVID on magic. As far as like the sets now where this (laughs) was probably a set that was getting finished up and wrapped up to do stuff around this time last year. And when there's a bunch of transition of different things happening, people working from home and a lot of these things could have been falling through the cracks because of that. Um, and I'm just gonna. I buy that. I'm, I, I'm gonna buy that. That's fine with me. Um, nothing so huge uh, that uh, I'm really upset by it. But it's it is kind of like bah, awkward when you're like, hey, look <laughs> at this new card. Wait, it's uh, it's a troll. It's not an elf. I don't know why it says it's an elf. That's weird, or something like that. <laughs> uh, there was there's some more drama. There's lots of drama on on uh, in Magic. Um, so a Watsy employee who works on Arena. Was in a Discord server talking about, you know, arena things, and someone had asked them how they can get spectator mode on arena. Like, hey, let's do this thing. It's something that we've talked about in the show a lot. We want to have spectator mode. Let's get this in the client. And that employee said that uh, the only uh, in in the realm of the spectator mode, the people that have to do it are the ones who put the cards in arena. And WotC says that um, one quarter of a percent, so 0.25% of the community would use that feature. So it's not worth their time.
1: He said, LOL, no. Basically. He <laughs> said,
0: so it's not going to happen. Um, the bad thing that came from this. So obviously, it's, this was a, someone who's trying to give us information, inside information about something we want to know, which is great. And I really love that they did that. I don't really like that that community on that discord ran him, I think his name's Ian, ran him off of discord and just completely out of everything because people were berating Jeez. this person so intensely about how stupid that was. They were so mad. Now I do feel like personally, I feel like it's I like kind of was, stupid, his choice. but it is it's ridiculous that the community would react this way. Now again, I'm surprised, I should not be surprised, but I oh I'm always surprised that these things happen in the magic community, but they do. Um, yeah. So that's terrible. Um, that shouldn't happen.
1: Imagine, imagine having that much conviction anyways that it's not the right move for the company that's not yours. you know like this company does have to make decisions that are in its own best interests and they have a ton of analytics to support the decisions. And we have nothing, we just want spectator mode and think yeah. it would be good for them to do it. Like, I still think they should do it. It's ridiculous to to berate somebody. I... Even if he had made the decision that... Even if it was him who made the decision not to do it, it's like, he is acting in the best interest of the company he works for and he has a ton of analytics and mm-hmm. has done some analysis. It's not just something they were like, nah. Yeah.
0: You know, like, I disagree. I think that they should just do it, but... <laughs> I know it's not just going to happen like that. Um, but again, like no one should ever be attacking employees that have no say in this kind of thing. Um, that's just oh, for sure. barbaric. That's obviously ridiculous. point number one. Yeah, that's yeah. point number one. I was just
1: trying to like add on. The oh, fact for sure. That it's like you, you don't know. And if you had to make decisions that actually affected your own, you know, well-being and, and how much money the company makes, you would think twice about whether it's the right choice. Like, exactly. It's easy to just say, oh, of course you'd make more money if you put in a spectator mode because you'd get more viewers and whatever. It's like, yeah, but the thing is, how many more viewers will it counteract all the, the negative costs effects and, and the time spent on doing it?
0: The pl- you know, the employees that you hired and, um, or taking people off of things or whatever they have to do, uh, it's a lot more. Mm-hmm. Everything is always more complicated than you think it is. So just, just, just always think about that. Uh, anyway, yeah. that has been a lot of stuff. This week, there's even more things we will not talk about as, um, well, that's just how things go. Uh, But I think we should just jump right into our happy hour, don't you think? Yes. All right. So I believe we've had a happy hour before. We did it for Zendikar Rising. So we're coming back to it. Um, But Jeff, we did not explain exactly what our happy hour is, I feel like, last time. So let's just take a a moment to just be like, what is a happy hour?
1: All right. So happy hour is kind of us looking back on a set. Okay. So call time is coming to a close. We're about to move into Strixhaven and we want to look back on call time, but we want to look back on what we liked about call time. What was good? What was, you know, well executed. Um, So even if it wasn't our favorite set overall, there's still always going to be things that we can find that we liked that the wizards team did really well, you know, because it's really easy to get bogged down in the things you don't like and the things that they made a mistake on uh, and you can forget about all the cool things that they did do so we wanted to just spend some time to look back on time and say why was this set awesome
0: exactly and who doesn't like a happy hour am I right exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let's just start I kind of chunked this out into different like categories just to like try to organize our thoughts because I do have a lot of them yeah, I like that. I um, that. but I just want to start just like purely on card sense just like cards we were excited about, cycles we thought were cool um, the fact that they put more card or more words on cards than they have in the past uh, that's you know all that stuff. it's great
1: a title soon to be stolen from it I think yes of, of wordiest set I think it's it won't be that fraught. oh
0: no Strixhaven's 100% got a beat after looking at the fact that I like did read all the call time spoilers and the Strixhaven ones I'm like I can't I can't some of these <laughs> it's just like I'm gonna have to just play this and figure it out because yeah
1: I, like it's a two-sided card and each side does three or four things it's there's one
0: like a, yeah. I think there was one anyway I don't want to get into it never mind um <laughs> let's talk about call time
1: so I feel like we got to start, if we're talking cards, got to start with the Pathways. Absolutely. So we all knew they were coming. We knew Pathways were great from Zendikar Rising. But what I wanted to say about this is I'm just really happy that they did it. They completed the cycle right away. Because <clears throat> sometimes in the past, they have a habit of giving you just like half of the lands of a, of a certain cycle. And then they'll try to balance it by giving you different lands and giving you the other half of those. But one of them ends up just being way stronger, and so certain color pairs kind of become unplayable because the mana's too bad. And so this way, to just finish this cycle of awesome pathways right away just gave us a ton more options immediately.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't make us wait like two years.
1: Like some some of them, waits have been so long, you know?
0: Yeah. You're like, oh, you know what? We're going to wait until the other ones rotate out. So then the other pair... They get it uh, yeah. for a while. In the
1: fetch lands, the like, border completely changed how the cards look Like <laughs> All that between kind of the, the uh, first
0: set and the second set. Yeah, um, So that's great. I really love having um, access to that. It makes it feel like you can build kind of any color pair that you want, um, which before mm-hmm. felt like you were a little hindered. So it's just obviously nice to, just to kind of complete that. I do personally, I was really, really happy with uh, some of the flavor components they had. In some of these cards? Yeah. Obviously, I, we can't talk about Call Time without talking about the Ox and the Plow. I really think that, that <laughs> it's got to be one of my... I know it's terrible and all that stuff, but I really thought... I lost to
1: it and Limited, and I was so Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I just, it was a really strong like curve out of well, Ox into Plow into a bunch of stuff. Yeah, this but I think like, that
0: that's what was fun. It was like there were cards that really only wanted each other. They're not super constructed playable, but you could build decks around them if you wanted. Because they, I saw some people
1: know. playing the Plow seriously in Star City Games. Oh
0: damn! This. Okay, well that's pretty yeah. sweet. That's i good not know.
1: Not really sure why. I but think it, uh,
0: just as a meme, it had something
1: of? to do with the life game—the fact that oh, you it could gain three six life. life right away, or three you life, gain or three whatever. life. Yeah,
0: yeah. That is true because it triggers all the life gain cards. Okay, that was a smart ad, huh? That's kind of cool. I didn't even think about that. But I wish I could remember the deck list a little more. But yeah. But I love that uh that flavor was just such a little cherry that was just like not even like Viking related really or anything it could have been in a core set, you know it's, it's like a Norse
1: thing right using an ox to plow your fields. yeah exactly,
0: but that was great. I thought that was that was super fun uh and it still makes me laugh every time I see it. It's just uh just a joy <laughs> that never really it, got it is plowed. a fun
1: couple of designs for sure absolutely yeah, and then the other obviously kind of big thing that. If we're talking card by card it's just the gods oh right that was a huge part of this this set and i thought they were awesome mm-hmm. they they kind of nailed it on the gods none of them were way too powerful like i feel like every time they've done gods in the past there always ends up being one that's just awesome and the rest suck mm-hmm. looking at you Hazaret. Mm-hmm.
0: and uh <laughs>
1: this time you know None of them were awesome, really. I guess, like, if I had to pick which one's the best or most played, it ended up being Redane.
0: Well, I would say, really, the the one that's played the most is probably Valky. But um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it's close. Because really, the
1: decks that play Valky only play one, and the decks that play Redane. Okay, play
0: the amount ones. of, uh, sure. Um, like the
1: number of copies in a tournament. For
0: sure, for sure. Yeah, Redane will be there more. Redane is great. Um, mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot more with that card, and it's just like. One of those weird cards that, like, ends up helping in weird situations that, like, throws people off and is, like makes it really awkward.
1: Yeah, it's just so much better than it looks. I mean, even, uh, was it the League Weekend? I think it was one of the League Weekends. People make fun of, you know, fr- his friends make fun of him for this, but Brad Nelson cast uh, Ultimatum into a Redain <clears throat> because he had the 9 mana to mm-hmm. pay 2 extra. Yeah. But the cards he got to cast off the ultimatum also costs two extras, so oh. he just cast nothing <laughs> <laughs> and just like shuffled it all back in
0: <laughs> that's so funny oh my gosh i love that that's hilarious <laughs> or just left them in exile and yeah. whatever happens
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like he's waiting till nine mana to play yeah. the ultimatum through and the remain and then, then you have to and get more and a bunch of
0: creatures like, that's so funny i love that um I but I with that. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I got like, non creatures, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um yeah. but I love that uh so obviously gods that we've seen in the past are always indestructible and we've talked about this before, but I love the flavor of them not having any sort of really recursive ability. <clears throat> They're kind of just, you know, if they get killed, they get killed, and that's what it's like in this world. And um I think it rings true with the flavor, and that was a really great decision.
1: Uh, yeah, and a great use of the two sided uh the modal dfc's mm-hmm. where one side was like out of some sort of <clears throat> object or creature that you know they're most known for and the other mm-hmm. side is them themselves exactly it's like oh
0: this is their sword this is their boat this is their raven or whatever uh they like that quite a bit
1: yeah so i'm excited to see if more of them can kind of crack in as we as we introduce new cards if that makes any of them kind of enter the metagame yeah Bergy. but none of them were busted and some of them yeah. good. They were all fun.
0: They were all fun. You are right. Um, But as far as the snow mechanic, how did you feel with that?
1: Yeah, I like it. So I I kind of have an issue with snow as a mechanic overall
0: Mm -hmm. in the sense
1: that it isn't really anything. Like you're just deciding this stuff is snow. It's kind of weird to me to call that a mechanic, but it is. But it's just like, ah, we're just going to call this snow. It's like a super type kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And so all you can do with that really is that something cares about having snow still. Yeah. And so the way they've decided to pull this off is to make it basic lands, right? You have the snow lands. But what that means is that the mechanic is really, it's, it can either be way too good because it's so difficult to interact with because all of your lands are giving you, like your lands are your enablers
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: don't like to print land destruction. So they, they either make it too good or they have to make it weak because it's just so hard to interact with. Or they mm-hmm. print good land destruction, but they're not going to do that. Yeah. So it, it means they have to kind of thread the needle on making it interesting because people like it, but also making it kind of weak. Like it can't be a dominant mechanic because otherwise people like it shouldn't be true that a snow island is better than an island yeah and i think they did a pretty good job of that they they only really gave us like one or two constructed cards and the one they gave us faceless haven being the main one you get really punished for playing anything any lands that are not snow Mm -hmm. like it makes the card a lot worse for each non-snow land you put so now when you're building a mono red deck you kind of have to decide how many castle embreaths are supposed to go in my deck because I want to be able to turn on Faceless Haven for sure. Mm -hmm. But Castle Umbreth, every Castle Umbreth I draw means it's that much harder to turn on Faceless Haven. But Castle Umbreth is good. Mm -hmm. Um, So having that be the best snow card and having it come on the back of like having all these castles and incentives to play double colors, like Pathways are really strong and stuff like that. I think to make snow kind of push you towards monocolored was a really smart way to do it. Um, And in particular, fight with the other monocolored incentives that were already there. Yeah,
0: yeah, that is really interesting. My biggest thing coming into this was worrying about if the snow might be too overpowered because of the land thing. And the last set we were just at was a bunch of Lands Matter stuff, Um, which wasn't even close to a problem, even a little bit, which was wonderful. Yeah,
1: and they threw in one safety valve with Redain as a kind of Hates on Snowlands kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I was at the perfect power level for a hate card for it. It kind of slows them down a bit.
0: But the best part about that card is this, the second ability. Well, it's a 2-3 flyer right. for three, and then the second ability on that card is the one you are more interested in. Because in that deck, uh, making them, they can't curve into their uh, Extinction Event or their um, Shadow's Verdict on time is big for that one. Oh, against
1: Sultai. Yeah.
0: against soul or any kind of sweepers that are going to be like the four mana or more destruction stuff or like uh doom scar anything that's going to blow up all your whole board takes it it takes them like two more turns to get out um which is huge because yeah. you can
1: even against like mono red it gives you a bit of ember cleave protection right? exactly yeah so i'm really happy with the way snow came out i still just don't love it that much as a mechanic because i don't really think it's I don't know. It just feels weird to me. Let's just slap this thing on... Uh, Whatever. ...on some cards and call yeah, it Yeah, I get night.
0: that. I think it was great that they added the kind of white frosted border. I thought that was really great, especially when we're drafting. You can easily see which ones are uh, snow and which ones aren't, which was... I mean, one of the reasons they did it. But I I liked that border quite a bit. Um, I thought that was yeah. a good choice.
1: Yeah. But if you're going to do snow, which they, of course, were in a Viking set because <laughs> mm-hmm. people love snow... Uh. This is, I thought this was a good execution of it. Like, most of the cards are really aimed at limited, and then there's a couple of cards that they really did push for constructed, but it's not, you know, they're not making it free because that's kind of the problem with snow in the past as well. Just change all your mountains to snow mountains and throw this card in. And,
0: exactly, yeah. You know. um, so I thought that was great. Um, as far as the other mechanics go in the set, I thought that um, they kind of were what I expected, you know, um, Boast was very much like a limited mechanic besides a couple cards in, in Constructed. It was really just um, a, like the one in the, the white deck that makes one ones. Um but besides that... Yeah, and that even kind of fell out of favor. Yeah. You, you mainly just play it because it's a 2-1 for one. Like that's, it's right. just like a Savannah Lion, and, and you might sometimes use the other ability, but for the most part, you're not boasting. It, like, you don't care about that.
1: And it's okay against rats because... You don't want to commit anything else to the board. You're like, whatever, I'll just make a 1-1. Mm-hmm. It's funny, when I was writing the show notes, I wrote, uh, oh, let's talk about snow, let's talk about Fortell, and then I was sitting here and I was like, there was another mechanic in this set, right? <laughs> <laughs> I literally just couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> So that's why there's nothing that I wrote down about boast because no, I, I, I couldn't actually remember <laughs> <I> <laughs> what it couldn't was. I Remember what the other mechanic was.
0: I've played with it uh, like a a good amount, um, but uh, yeah, I was expecting this is like the limited mechanic for tell is going to be like the uh, constructed mechanic, just the way that they play out. It's one of those, the boast mechanics. None of them were super busted or anything. Um, right. They're just most of the time when you're playing, it really just playing another card from your hand is usually just going to be better.
1: Yeah, the boast cards weren't very pushed for for constructed. Really.
0: Yeah. Which is also hard because like you have to be attacking and, you know, getting a boast card later in a game is just like, oh, well, I'm down now. I can't attack really. And so I sweet, so I attack into something, lose right. my creature, make a make a something, you know. Not super great.
1: Yeah, I think boast plays well and and makes a great limited mechanic.
0: Absolutely. I think they they definitely hit it with that. Um, and it made it feel very Viking-y. Uh, I guess <laughs> I forgot until this moment that it's supposed to be like, oh, I'm talking about my heroic battles, and it's, I'm boasting yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I just attacked
1: am. in, and now I'm going to yeah. tell you about
0: it. Yeah, I just attacked in, and then I made a 1-1. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Zach is flexing right now. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck around and find out or whatever. Yeah. Um, um,
1: to me, it kind of felt a bit like, uh, I think in the end, I prefer Raid. Uh, which is a very similar mechanic. Uh, yeah. but this one is definitely more flavorful to call to time.
0: Yeah. but like the reason I like raid is because a lot of the triggers are non, they're not mana abilities. It's like, oh, I play right. my creature after combat. it has raid, something cool happens because I attacked. Sick. And you can attack with whatever well, you want.
1: Well, one of the things I like the best about raid, I'm getting a little off topic, but with raid, it's like when my opponent attacks me, I'm like, do they have a pump spell? Do they have like what do they have? oh they could just have a raid creature and that's the mm-hmm. only reason they're doing this, um like it changes the calculus on how what I'm expecting after blocks yeah whereas boast is like he's attacking with this because he wants to activate that ability that I can see right now face up exactly yeah you know, so it doesn't have that same play to it where as the blocker it makes me second guess yeah you know it makes me run I always run head first into pump spells in sets with raid because I'm like ah oh, he's just trying to get a raid creature down. It's like now nah, he had sure strike, and you just threw away your huge board.
0: Or <laughs> he had, they had both. The your opponent had either right. one and decided which one to use, and it's which just is happy always with,
1: great. Whichever way, yeah,
0: it. I don't really care. Um, which you can totally play your your both creatures like that. Be like, all right, attack in if they block i'll do this thing if they don't block i'll do this other thing kind of um and i like mechanics yeah i guess though. it does it does mask pump spells the same way where it's yeah. like oh, i'm just attacking for the boast man don't worry mm-hmm. about it don't worry about it let me let me just let me boast a little bit bro <laughs> i just want to make a make a 2-1 or 1-1 or whatever that's true but, but Fortel
1: was a great mechanic you you said it was a constructed mechanic i actually thought it was great and limited too
0: Oh no! I mean, like it's great and limited. I just reading the card. I could tell this is the one that's going to make it to constructed. We're going to see. Yeah, yeah, right. We're going to see more. Some of the cards are going to be in constructed. We're going to see a lot more fertile cards in constructed than they will see boast cards or even snow. To to that, right? Anything, any
1: mechanic that's like, we're going to let you spend your mana more efficiently. It's like that's the one that's going to be pushed for constructed, and (laughs) so the one that's like, we're going to make you make dumb attacks, and
0: it's like that's not pushed for construction um but no i thought foretell was like fantastic yeah i don't play with it very often but i like it i think it's really interesting i thought
1: it was great like in limited so many times i'd keep a hand that's just like two lands and the uh the sarul's Packmate. Mm-hmm. you know and i'm like i'm just gonna cast this on turn three try to hit my third land and it would happen often or the raven too it's like mm-hmm. oh i'm getting i'm totally fine with just playing a three three flyer on turn three three um
0: Basically then there turn was two always and turn in, three. It was interesting
1: whether you wanted to play it. I think people didn't give that enough credit. They were like, oh, you just always foretell it. But sometimes if you just had the mana for saw it coming and you weren't going to cast anything else that turn, you shouldn't foretell it because... Because they'll see it coming. And you're telling your opponent. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly.
0: Or like the <laughs> amount of times you see like, oh, well, now I'm going to play around Demon Bolt because I know that they foretold that with Red Up. So, all right, I'm going to play around that for the whole game. Um, however, uh, it's... It's a really hard mechanic for me, I think, because playing against it, um, I'm really great. At, this might go, be going into Limited a little bit now, uh, but I'm really great. Hey, let's at, let's make that transition. Yeah. You know? So same I'm way, in, in, in Limited. I'm super great at playing aggressive. Super great at. I like playing aggressive <laughs> decks. And uh, better,
1: better at. Let's go bet, better. Yeah, at. yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but I, I I enjoy playing them, and so I usually draft them, and. You know, it's like turn one, I play a one-one or something. Turn two, I, I have something, and on their turn two, they foretell a card. I'm like, sweet, they didn't do anything in my mind. Ha. They did nothing. I, I yeah. somehow do something crazy. <laughs> they uh, just passed
1: the turn. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's awesome. Okay, cool. I don't, and I would immediately forget about whatever that card was. Like, I don't care. You spent two mana to do nothing, so that doesn't matter to me. Um, and then I would usually get hurt by it um, in some way or another. Uh, not trying to figure out what the card was i'm like yeah whatever (laughs) it's one of those for for foretell cards i don't know (laughs) yeah i read
1: an article about call time limited and i I think it was max mick that wrote this but he just described it in a really sort of great way um basically exactly what you're describing that um, foretell is a tempo mechanic it's just that the tempo only gets realized when you cast the spell not when you foretell it So like when you foretell it, you're preparing for a tempo play later. Mm -hmm. Um. So it's it is it is a tempo mechanic that just, it's it works a little differently because most tempo is like you get your tempo right away. I unsummon Mm -hmm. your thing. All right, now I attack. That's all my card did. I got it. Whereas this is like, oh, because I foretold this in two turns, I'm going to cast two spells and really pull ahead. Yeah. Um,
0: Which was the so I thought it was
1: really interesting.
0: Well, it was also the interesting thing with, um, you know, a lot of people were saying in limited, like the black white strategy just didn't really come together, which is the double spell, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's, you know, you're getting come rewarded for all that stuff. But like a lot of the best foretell cards were not in those colors. And so right. if you're thinking like um Pacmate and uh, Behold the Multiverse are like the big ones that everyone loved, and those are not white or black. And the color pair that wanted you to play multiple spells that would, could really be helped by these foretell things were not those colors. So I don't know if that was something that was introduced in. Maybe, you know, if you, you tried to mix up some of your colors together. I also think, you know, people didn't like playing black very much because it wasn't extremely strong. But um, I it didn't stop me from playing it all the time and getting my <laughs> ass kicked. <laughs>
1: but you know what? I wouldn't have guessed that from looking at the spoilers because black yeah. had so many, like, so many commons or whatever that you would consider in almost any other set to be the best common in the set. Yeah. You know, like Feed the Serpent or whatever. That's amazing. Like I, in almost every set, that's the de facto best like common. And in this, it wasn't even top five, you know? No. Although Seraph's Packmate is pretty great. That's uh, Yeah. That's a common I wouldn't mind playing with again.
0: Yeah. So it it will be one of the cards that you, you come back to this format, you're going to play limited, and then you're telling your friends who maybe didn't play or something, you have a box. Like, all right. So, uh, you know. Soros, Pac-Man, everyone knows that that's the Great Common or something. Or, or maybe you keep it a secret and you're just like... That card sucks. Yeah, that's... Yeah, no, yeah. no.
1: It was way worse than it looked. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take that. All of them to my deck. Um, I remember my first draft, I got like five of them. And I was like, do people not know that this card is ridiculous for a common? Or am I just missing something? Like, I don't know. Let's find out. And I just... I got to seven wins purely on the back yeah. of just
0: well, one of those playing
1: three threes and drawing a card yeah. every turn.
0: It's one of those weird things where... um. So, in, so this was talked in, like, um, so the, the, the Lindworm, right? The 6-6 six, six mm-hmm. for 6 that gains you 4 I did a have a couple
1: of those, too.
0: Right? So that card was really good in this set, but we've seen that card exactly in other sets, and it was not good in that set. And it's one of those right. weird, like, draft things where, like, I've seen this card before, and I didn't think it was great. It's probably not good. That's a bad – you kind of label it as that's a bad card. You know, and you don't really think about, yeah. well, you know, this set is completely different than the other limited format that you're playing and all those kinds of things. And maybe originally a lot of drafters are looking at Soros Packmate and thinking back to the elf from Zendikar that was a 3-2 that drew you a card that was four mana that was like good, but like not amazing it's okay. because obviously you can't play it on turn three. Like you can Soros Packmate. Yeah. And also that I mean, extra, 3-3
1: is also a lot, a lot, lot better than 3-2. A 3-2. Yeah.
0: But... Um it's just one of those weird things where like you kind of see like a four mana three powered thing that draws you a card and you're like, Oh, that's the same as the Soros Pac-Mate. Right,
1: with in this case irrelevant creature types, which that one.
0: Yeah, had that. relevant. So it's just kind of one of those things that you can quickly write something off that ends up, you know <laughs> that's actually <laughs> the really good card from the set.
1: Yeah. I mean this set was particularly complex. Like I didn't draft it that much, but that's all that everyone was talking about was how you earn you earn most of your money in the actual draft because there's so much going on and it's hard to see all the interactions that by studying the draft portion really well and knowing, oh, this card is not what I should take in this spot, Um, this card is better than it looks, this card is worse than it looks, that's where you got a lot of mileage, which I think is cool because a lot of the time it's like, you know, if you haven't played the set that much, you still just are a good drafter if you're a really good player, you're probably going to be able to get yourself your six or seven wins fairly consistently. Yeah. Whereas this one is like, no, I need you to draft me mm-hmm. a lot and know how to draft me. Yeah. Um, I don't tend to love sets like that because I like, you know, I like I'm a core set draft guy. Mm-hmm. I love to just let's let's all have a bunch of two threes and see who wins. Yeah. Um, but I know that a lot of people really appreciated that, and so I think it's really cool for them to mix it up and have a format that's really all about like, earning your money in the draft portion. I mean, like,
0: it seemed pretty... Like, yes, it was extremely uh, complicated, um, and I felt very lost most of the time. Um, (laughs) And I drafted it quite a bit, um, grasping at certain things, and every once in a while you have something that comes together perfectly, and you're like, oh, yeah, I totally got it. Or other times you're like, I thought I was picking all the good ones, and, like, now I have this kind of shambles of a deck that I should have, you know, I was... Going too hard in some directions, which you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, everyone has drafts where you're like, this is what I want to draft. You go into the draft and you try to draft it and it just didn't come together. And you were like, well, I you saw many signals to be like, hey, jump out of that. <laughs> but I was like, no, right. I'm sticking with this. I'm because I'm a good drafter and I know that I need to be this. Um, and then you end yeah. up getting screwed. So, um, meanwhile,
1: Ben Stark is shaking his head. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I definitely think that. I liked this set, and I really I did enjoy drafting it. I was a little sad that it seemed like there were so many different archetypes that you could do. There was like 10 different archetypes, not including the like other colors that weren't even necessarily that creature type or whatever. Because you had like all the two color pairs kind of had a creature type thing, and also had something else going on. And there was just so many things. Going on. <laughs> There's a lot going on that it was really difficult to try to... It, like, I never felt like I drafted a, an elf deck or something. I never drafted, like, a giant deck. Or, it never really felt like those things came together um, because I thought that there was so much other stuff going on that most of the time, oh, you might have uh, a changeling or something that gets your squash to be cheaper or whatever, but it didn't feel like a giant's deck or it didn't feel like I went into that category, which was a really cool thing, but also a really confusing thing at the same time.
1: Right. It's different take on tribal... Mm-hmm.
0: Like, yeah. It's like little pockets
1: of tribal synergies rather than your deck is this tribal. Exactly. So
0: a lot of times it'd be like, oh, wait, I can actually flash back my glimpse of the cosmos because I have this changeling on the board that I didn't even think I'd be able to do, or whatever. You know, that kind of stuff it was really cool. When it comes together, it's fun. Um but most of the time that it That stuff felt like, tended to
1: happen against me more than, yeah. than
0: for me, you know. And I'd be like, damn, that was cool what my opponent just did to Why me. Why didn't I do that? Um, <laughs> yeah. but most of the time it really felt like I was either playing aggro or I was playing snow. And I think that that was i am I'm I'm assuming most of it is just me being not the best drafter and kind of like just putting blinders on and being like, I'm doing this or doing this just to make it easy on myself. Um, That's how the sealed format was though. So that mm. means there is
1: kind of a a power level discrepancy in those directions draft is supposed to be a bit self-balancing but uh i mean it's never going to be perfect so exactly those are kind of the stronger archetypes in kaldheim was to either be the snow control deck or the
0: aggro deck yeah um which you know most of the time i played a lot of uh red white so i was i was doing the aggro thing
1: i was the most successful with aggro Mm -hmm. just the red cards. some of the red cards really hit hard the three exactly. two that would like boast to draw you a card was sick.
0: Yeah, or um, you know, it's always just fun getting uh, <laughs> fucking people over who are super greedy. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. wow, how many colors are you playing? Die mm. until they. I was just
1: gonna say the last thing I wanted to say about limited was that because uh, again I didn't play it all that much. Um, I never really got into it, but there was nothing I could pinpoint and say I disliked about it. It was just I think it was just. Really enjoying constructed, mm-hmm. um, but I love it when mm-hmm. our equipment is good in a limited format, mm-hmm. because usually it's kind of bad, and I think that should be the default. Is that in most sets equipment is pretty bad, but I love it when they make a set that kind of surprises you, and you just keep losing to like, you know gold pick, vein, gold vein pick or whatever. Yeah, you're gold vein like, pick. Okay. And then it starts to just move higher and higher up your pick order and you're like, you know what? This card's just great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like when they do that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, especially from someone who likes equipment because it's inherently um, just going to be... Any card, any time I can get like card disadvantage, I love it. So I'm really into it. <laughs> uh, but You're going to love Faithless looting
1: then, right? Because that's card disadvantage card. yeah
0: yeah um <laughs> no that says draw a card on it i want a card that says hey put this on your creature um <laughs> and then it'll do a thing but if some one card kills that creature you lose both uh, that's what i, I yeah, prefer to I, I
1: want a card now. that says play this and cross your fingers so that your opponent doesn't have one of these 18 ways to really screw you."
0: yeah that's what magic is right you just like play cards and cross your fingers <laughs> that your opponent doesn't have what you hope they don't have that's how i play i don't know it seems to work <laughs> Um works but, uh
1: 50% of the time every time. <laughs> hey.
0: <laughs> um but kind of moving into constructed, like we had already talked about uh Faceless Haven, which was like one of the biggest cards to 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 hit constructed because that kind of made mono white viable and mono red viable, um, which was awesome. I mean, I liked going yeah. from uh some the most aggro decks being like fairly mid-range um, into this well we have some hyper aggressive decks and now we have a, like standard right now feels super polarizing where like either you start the match and you know like okay this matchup's pretty good for me or it's like this is the bad matchup and i'm going to go uphill yeah. every second of this game
1: definitely and that's that's a big difference between zendikar rising standard which uh had less deck diversity Right. Like you were Mm -hmm. saying, the range of decks you could play, you know, the the aggro deck was Gruul Adventures, which we currently in this metagame consider to be like fast mid range. Mm -hmm. You know, so it it was a far cry from Mono Red. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, And then what's the most I guess there was Demir Control. So there was a true control deck. But, you know, everything was just shifted up and it felt like every game, every matchup was if you know, if you were favored, it was like 55, 45 at best. Whereas now it's like, if I'm playing, for some reason I'm, I'm holding dear to my Rakdos Sacrifice, and I come across Sultamata, that honestly feels like an 80-20 matchup or worse, you know, mm-hmm. for my opponent. So it's just like, uh, and then the again, like Mono White, uh, there's a few decks that it basically just cannot beat. Yeah, Mono Red is going to have a really easy time with something like Demir Rogues, um, but a pretty hard time with you know a lot of the decks that started popping up to to kind of punch mono red down like some of those naya fury decks that would just kill it before it really did its thing
0: yeah or anything that's just so big that it can't deal with or but it has like presence on the board i uh yeah it's it's been really fun i i liked the the shakeups that happened um it, you know obviously we're going to be changing quite soon um but i did like it i mean i uh, there was a few cards that kind of came into play Sultimatum popped up because now we had a extra turn spell with Alrin's Epiphany, so that was really big. Um, kind of being the well, de facto... it's even more than that, because when the deck first started, do you remember that
1: they used to get, every time, they would get Alrin's Epiphany, Falky, and Vorenklex? And Vorn Clex. Clex. yeah. I guess those are all... It's all, like yeah, all those are, three of those are called time, are time That's
0: true. Yeah. Um, but it did feel like...
1: Then they started working in Kiora Best to see God, but, Yeah still most of what they go to get is, is call time
0: is call time that is very true where it's like either i'm going to take an extra turn or i'm going to do these other things i do think the take an extra turn is a big one just because it kind of becomes the de facto you can't pick this one you know it's like oh
1: uh, the deck doesn't work without it
0: exactly if, if it was just like yeah. vorinclex uh tibble or valky and cure best to Sea god you can kind of pick whichever one might you know save you or whatever or it's not gonna be the worst um, but whenever you're going to give them an extra turn, it just really doesn't seem like you can ever do that.
1: Although I have had to do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I can't give you Vorinclex and QRB to Sea God, so mm-hmm. I ship the Vorinclex or whatever. Yeah. Or sorry, I should probably ship Best to Sea God. Yeah. I, I agree to take twelve off your Vorinclex, mm-hmm. and uh, let's see if we can win from here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that deck also relies really heavily on binding the old gods. Not to mention the green, black, and green, blue pathways that it probably that's true. plays like seven or eight copies of. That's, that's
0: very so big. So this just would
1: not be a deck without time.
0: Yeah, so really that is the biggest one. Um, originally I was thinking it didn't have that much, but yeah, you're right, the lands are huge. And uh, getting a better yeah. you know, four mana removal spell that also ramps you, great. Yeah,
1: Mono White and Sultimatum are just not decks without mm-hmm. Kaldheim cards. And then even like you know Goldspan Dragon, kind of spawned some new stuff all on itself and getting like into Niafury Niafury. obviously is yeah is a showdown of the Scalds goldspan dragon deck so you know there are various takes like it, it caused the gruel adventures deck to morph to the kind of spread out into like five different <laughs> decks four or five different
0: decks. yay which is super confusing for meta stuff hooray it's like yeah
1: like there's teamer which is like let's take gruel and slam in allrun's epiphany and mm-hmm. like saw it coming and, and goldspan dragon There's Naya, which is like, let's slam showdown of the scalds in that bitch. And, you know, like there's just now there's so many different adventures. Yeah. There's so many ways to use the adventures package, whereas previously it was like, well, there's just gruel aggro is the best way to use. Exactly. I really like when this is the like when a set has a big impact on standard, but it's not a big impact in the way that uh, like Throne of Eldraine was where it's like all of my cards are so good that. I demand decks, all the new decks be built around my stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's no card in Kaldheim that is, you know, the de facto best card in standard, you know, like there's no Omnath, there's no Uro, there's no, there's no Yorian even from, from Ikoria. Yeah. There's no card that's just like, I am the card that demands, you know, to be played. The closest is kind of Goldspan Dragon. Maybe you could give it to Allerun's Epiphany. Um, because they spawned new archetypes, kind of. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I don't think anyone would say that Alraune's Epiphany is the best card in Standard. Maybe it's top five. I don't know. But I don't know. It's probably if it were in, if it were in Throne of Eldraine, would it even be the best card in the set? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. After all the bannings.
0: Exactly. Um, moving on. Obviously, okay. So uh, going through Constructed Limited, awesome. But the best, the best thing that came from Caldheim. Hands down is the lore, man. The lore is awesome. It was very cool, yeah.
1: I agree, that's where this set totally
0: stuck out. It really shined. And that's the thing that I'm gonna remember the most, is like all the different, um, just the world that was built, like how they could fit so many stories into one set using 20 sagas was crazy. Being like, hey, so here's all these different characters There's 10 different worlds, essentially, with another one that they're kind of floating in with different monsters flying around and gods from all these different places. All these things are happening. And here's, you know, two stories from each uh, realm, basically, on all the cards. Uh, It was packed, like jam-packed.
1: Yeah, and And they were like, we're going to have 10 tribes, Yeah, and that's not even including the Vikings, who are going to be split into five clans.
0: On one realm. (laughs) It was... It was a lot, to almost to the point where I I could have had two sets of this and been like, yeah. So this would
1: have made a, a great block, I, it, man. If we were still in the block days, yeah. If this like came out right after, block, or even three set block, like, there was, there's enough here. You know? Yeah.
0: If this came out like right after Xylon or something, and we're like, all right, now we're going to this two block uh, Kaldheim set, or you know, if if this was like a three block set. You know, obviously, the second one or the third one would be like the Doomscar or something. And that's a whole set about everything crashing together. Um, no,
1: it would be the Eldrazi invasion of Kaldheim. Come on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, I feel like because people have been asking for a, a Nordic-themed set for so long, like a Norse mythology set they felt like they had to get everything mm-hmm. into it that people wanted. You know, people wanted Frost Giants. People wanted Vikings. People wanted the Norse
0: gods. And Valkyries. People and, wanted, yeah.
1: yeah, exactly, Valkyries. So they decided, let's just do it all, mm-hmm. and people will love it, and then we can justify coming back and spending some time focusing on a certain faction or a exactly. certain Exactly. Now that a you know, Seeker is
0: dead. Ooh. Spoiler. <sighs> Spoilers. Spoilers you didn't uh read the story um yeah. maybe the what happens if the world tree starts to die or something who knows you know we can come back here because right. that um, could happen what happens when the uh what, what are they called fuck i should remember i should have written any of this down um but the Aenea, <laughs> what is the, the elf the old elf gods what happens when they they get freed oh, yeah. from the trees and they come out and they they uh attack the uh the scoti right oh
1: yeah like if we came back and it was like the elves of call or something and it was a more elf centric and the elven gods and like yeah you know or, yeah call return of the emir or, or something yeah that's a set i would be psyched for so
0: there is a lot going on here um and not enough time to uh grasp it in 11 weeks uh that is for <laughs> right. sure uh yeah. so I'm, i just you know Really loved the build-up to it. It really delivered. And uh, leaving it feeling a little little like we left it a little too soon.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm excited to come back. Yeah, I don't
0: think know? I've been... Even
1: though just like overall this wasn't one of my favorite sets of all time. Just yeah. the lore is so rich that I just want to come back.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've been... Like any of the other planes that we visited or, oh, we're going back to a place or whatever. I haven't been more excited than this one to be like, I, I can't wait till we come back to this one that we just had. Like I don't think I've ever felt exactly, that way. Yeah. It's always been like, when can we leave this place? I'm so tired of whatever, you know. Um,
1: It'll be like when they first, you know, returned to Ravnica. Exactly. It was like, oh, oh shit!
0: So- this was forever, and now yeah. it's like, okay, are we going back to Ravnica again? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, can we like do something else? <laughs> Is this yeah. just like uh, Magic the Ravnica or something?
1: That's obviously going to be the stage for the Great Phyrexia versus Eldrazi battle. Yes,
0: of course. Um, Jeff, I will say, I know we wanted to get to some stories about some of our uh, call time things. However, I can't tell a story without a beer, and I'm out of beer. Same. All right. So let's take a beer break. Let's go to a beer break. All right. Now I'm twice as mad as I was before. (laughs) Now that I'm going to drink this. Mad Tom, one of the types of whatever.
1: I'm curious about this one because I don't like creamsicles, so. but I do like ales.
0: Do you like sick ales? Cream, cream, sick ales?
1: I like sick ales.
0: Yo, this ale's sick. All right, let's get into, did we, we did promise stories, didn't we? Yeah, we got so. to
1: tell at least a, a story from All right. our experiences with Call Time.
0: So I do have one that I almost, I alluded to earlier, but uh, this is one, I was playing Sealed. I played a lot of sealed of this, um, and this was one of my aggressive starts. So on turn three, I had an Axe Guard Cavalry out, and I only had two lands, and I missed my third land drop, which was like really frustrating. So I played Magda, and then I tapped the Cavalry to give Magda haste, and then when I attacked, I got a treasure from Magda and a treasure from tapping the Axe Guard Cavalry, and then I got to play the Dragonkin Berserker, which is the one like sacking all my treasures. So I just keep my two lands. Instead of ramping, I, get th- I have three creatures on the board. I feel great. Three, all-
1: three two traps.
0: Felt awesome. I was like, wow, what a yeah. sweet curve. And I got a nice from my opponent. And they're like, that's awesome. Um, though, this is one of those situations where they just, you know, on their turn two, they foretold something. And I was like, whatever, that's nothing. And then on their turn, they just <laughs> untap and they do, um, what's the card? Crush the weak. They just like okay curse the weak kill my whole board i'm stuck with two i lands. was thinking doom scar the way this was going no <laughs> the the one that was much easier to guess they're like all right crush yeah. the week, deal two damage to everything all your stuff dies you can't play the three drops in your hand because you don't have another land and you're fucked and i was like oh and i just said like good game <laughs> you killed both of my rares and- did you give him the angry zendikar oh you bet i did are you kidding <laughs> it was uh that was a rough one that was, but that was enough to be like wow i got so blown out on what i thought was going to be an amazing start and i was just yeah way I mean, too that a is from. a
1: really strong start yeah it takes pretty much that uncommon or doom scar to mm-hmm. to really punish you
0: and i got punished pretty bad
1: tough luck yeah <laughs> it was rough that's fun though i mean when sometimes when that happens you just got to be like well like i don't think it was wrong to play those things, you know, I th- based it, on you not having a third land.
0: I think it was probably wrong. Not, I should have just kept the treasures that I got, and played it safe, and not played my other two 2 and been like, okay. You oh, might, I don't know about that. If you wipe no, my boards, so. then I can play a four drop next turn.
1: Now nah, there's so few few ways for them to do it though. It basically had to be that card, from the sounds of it. Yeah, I would have done the same thing.
0: <laughs> that makes me feel
1: better. <laughs> yeah. Although, that, I don't know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's correct. That probably means it's definitely
0: wrong. <laughs> yeah, in either case, it still makes me feel better that I'm not the only person that would make that mistake. <laughs> uh, my
1: story, I don't know if it's so much of a story, but uh, it's just like a fond memory looking back. And this was in Standard, near the start of the format. And actually, this was when I was uh, s- streaming. And I streamed this, So so you were there. Mm-hmm. But we were trying to do the... Uh, the infinity crown yes from uh from the call time bingo episode that we did and so the that's get the uh all five runes on the runed crown and so i built this deck that was a Yorion deck and it had uh the rune dwarf that goes to get a rune it had the runed crowns and it had a bunch of runes and the idea was you're just going to play runes on random stuff and then blink them all with Yorion and then they all come back in and, and attach to the crown uh and that would be how we did it. And I think it was the last match of the night, and we actually succeeded. But it was funny because at one point, I had, like, three runes on the crown. And I was worried that my opponent was just going to concede because we were so far ahead. We had, like, two or three creatures, this all awesome crown that was already giving it plus one, plus one, and haste and, like, you know, trample or whatever. And we had more cards in hand than them. So I just didn't play anything. I was like not attacking. I think I was only attacking with one thing to try to get them to not concede before I got all five runes on it. But then they went like, binding the old gods. Yorion flicker my binding the old gods. Just started blowing everything up and then it looked like I was actually gonna lose because I just didn't, I didn't put pedal to the metal but eventually managed to assemble the crown with all five runes on it and win the game with uh, the rune dwarf equipping that crown and attacking. Flying
0: so. over. It was awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. That, that was, was a, that's definitely like one something of something I'll always remember. My <laughs> favorite,
0: my favorite stories from that, um, and the best thing to come out of that that call time bingo thing we did.
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah, I thought yeah. that one was going to be impossible, mm-hmm. but uh, actually, it's one of the only ones I managed to accomplish.
0: So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but moving on from call time. We have a Strict Saving League weekend coming up this weekend.
1: So is that moving on from Call Time, though? Like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it's funny, because there's no Strict Saving cards in the Strict Saving League yeah. weekend. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: We, we complained about this with the first Call Time League weekend. So,
0: same. At least they're okay. consistent. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so. I don't know if that was a weird, like, oh, we have to push the sets release because of stuff. I don't
1: really know. When they're doing it twice, it feels intentional. And I think maybe the idea is like, oh, it'll be fun to watch the pros with a totally solved format, see what they can do with it, and, you know, just see the best players playing the best decks. But I think that's an okay idea in principle, but it's so bad in practice, because, like, who wants that? The players don't really want that. You're presumably aiming it towards the viewers, who are not pro players but who are competitive minded they would enjoy something like that and that's me and i don't want that i yeah. want strict new cards let's see what yeah. they do with the brand new set
0: you know like, well i also don't understand why don't they just call it call time league weekend number three or number right. two just because they should it should be number
1: years? two because the first call time league weekend had no
0: call time card, yeah so. <laughs> so anyway um uh griping aside uh we have this event coming up. Um, as always, it's the MPL and Rivals players. Uh, you can follow along on Twitch uh, with all that stuff and uh, follow Ball Lightning on Twitter, who has the best breakdown of everything that's happening and all the current points and positions and things much faster than that. Wizards World. Seriously, yeah,
1: it's better than Magic Esports to follow if you want updates on standings. Yeah.
0: Absolutely is. So, going into this, this is kind of like the new. We, we have now shifted from the kind of regular season to the playoffs ish. It's like, it's kind of the playoffs. Uh, the gauntlets almost feel more like the playoffs. Cause they're really going, that's when you officially land somewhere. Um, when you go into the, those like the gauntlet tournaments.
1: See, I think of this as the playoffs. Cause to me, playoffs is like all that relegation stuff or whatever that happens in regular season. The playoffs is like, all right, we're going to start eliminating the people who are not ready. And we're going to choose a winner. Um, and we're going to seed by standings. I know Wizards calls the gauntlets the postseason because it's literally after the season, Um, but the gauntlets don't really feel like playoffs to me because it's people fighting for a spot in the league. It's not fighting for who won the league, you know? Uh,
0: In any case, this one will be different than the last ones that we have seen um, as far as who is playing and why things are playing. So, Jeff, do you want to explain the... The tournament how it, the tournament whatever the league weekend how it's going to work out sure,
1: sure yeah so in the past league weekends were always just one format uh you would play 12 or 11 matches um and basically over two league weekends you would play each one of your opponents one time so it's just kind of like you just play everyone now you're being paired so it's power pairings so in round one you'll play whoever's closest to you so one will play two, three will play four, five will play six. So Paulo and Gab are in round one, you know. Um, but also the top eight of the MPL, the middle eight and the bottom eight, are all in their own little pools. And they're going to play like a, ter- a mini tournament amongst those eight people. And so, you know, eight is the perfect number for three rounds of Swiss. Uh, so they'll do a three-round Swiss tournament in standard. Once they've done that, remember that each win is still one match win, so one league point. Now there will be new standings, and they'll do it again. Okay, now you're power paired by standing, top eight, middle eight, bottom eight, all uh, play in their own mini tournament. This time it'll be three rounds of historic. And so over the course of Saturday and Sunday, they'll do this four times, standard historic, standard historic. So in total, 12 matches each, um, three matches for each mini tournament. And that's how it's going to work. Yeah. And then the Rivals will have the same thing. The numbers will be a little different, though, right? Because MPL's a little cleaner with 24 members splitting into three pods of eight. but Rivals is rivals 46
0: is... because two right. members uh, have, have kind of moved, uh, moved away.
1: Right, so it's not a perfect pods of eight scenario, but anyways, it's, yes. it's the same idea. Same idea.
0: Um, so as always, we have our Fantasy Sports League uh, at the moment, um, I am down. I have two, uh, I guess, uh, two wins, and you have three wins. And uh, yeah. yeah, and the winner gets a weird two four, which is a twenty four pack of different types of beer is essentially what it is Yeah, um, curated
1: i like to call it a curated. oh yes p- 20 pack of 24 beers and
0: to me it's yeah. just like the random ones you find on the ground maybe somebody dropped it while they were coming home you just God. pick it up uh <laughs> just whatever the you're fuck just saying you that mean. so
1: i'll uh, so i'll throw the next few events yeah exactly so you don't have to drink your uh, subway beer yeah i
0: got a pretty I, I already have something kind of brewing it's pretty bad <laughs> it's pretty terrible <laughs> right now uh so you should probably just lose um Our our teams are always made up of three MPL players and four Rivals players, and then we pick the highest meta percentage for both formats and the top performing deck as well. Um, However, this time, we are keeping the players that we had drafted for the championship, the Call Time Championship, because they are so close together, we didn't feel like we wanted to draft new teams. Also, my team was just so good last right. time. I might as well just keep them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, which is good. Um, I don't
1: think Stanislav Sivko will have two bad weekends in a row.
0: We'll see. We will see. Uh, so, uh, just running through my team for the MPL, I have Gabriel Nassif, Seth Manfield, and Autumn Burchett. And then for the rivals, I have Ely Cassis, LSV, Luca Magni, and Zachary Keeney.
1: Yeah, for my team, the MPL members are. Paolo Vito Damodarosa, or Paula Vito, or Paolo Vitor. <laughs> yes. Paolo Vitor Damodarosa. Okay, Mark Rosewater. <laughs> um, Brad Nelson and Reed Duke. And then my rivals' players are Matt Sperling, Stanislav Sivka, Chris Patello, and Mike Sigrist. Nice. I'm feeling confident about these players.
0: I feel great about my team as well. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see how it shakes out because I do not know what's going on. This one, as far as meta goes, really feels like super, super meta. Where it's like, hey, yeah, man. exactly. So we played this kind of already, and then we had a tournament, and now it feels like everyone kind of knows what the best deck is, but then everyone doesn't either wants to play that or doesn't want to play it, or is trying to play the deck that beats the deck that beats the best deck. It's crazy. I have no idea what's going on. I don't think any yeah. of the players do either. They all seem very just kind of frantic, being like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do here. So right.
1: it's going to be super weird too because. Like in the past, sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't, wasn't able to test that much. I just picked the best deck. But that's not going to happen here because this is where all the stakes are. If you mm-hmm. lose this, a lot of people are just out now. Like, yeah. So, you know, like some people in the Rivals League will literally just be automatically relegated if they lose this, mm-hmm. if they don't do well this League weekend. So they have a lot more incentive to actually participate in the metagaming.
0: Yes, exactly. So as far as the metagame percentage for standard. What are we thinking? Should I go first? I think you should just go first. <laughs> you you're winning, so I'll, I'll <laughs> let you go first. I lost last week, so yeah, I'm just gonna go with
1: Teamer Adventures. Okay. So this is the uh, the deck that had the second highest win rate last time around, which I erroneously thought would have the highest win rate. Somehow, some random gruel adventures came out of the blue and got first place. So.
0: Pretty good. Um, pretty lucky
1: pretty lucky but uh yeah team adventures just did really well in the championship and had no bad matchups yes. that's what i think really spoke to me about it and i think the pro players will take note of that and exactly like you're saying you know people want to play the deck that's good against the deck that is mm-hmm. good but if it has no bad matchups what are you going to do
0: yeah um this is i have the same feeling about this deck um where i do think they're going to that most people are going to take Teamer Adventures where they're thinking is, this is the best deck. Let's play the, the deck that's going to beat the best deck. And then, wait, everyone's going to try to play the deck that beats the best deck, so we're going to play the best deck. Um, because then they're going to... Everyone's going to go through the same loop of, like, thinking that they are going down this, this rabbit hole. I think we will come around to, this is the deck everyone's going to bring uh, as, as Teamer Adventures as well. Uh, I don't right. think we're going to see very much soul Tie. Um, would be interesting if we saw some rogues, but...
1: I'd be surprised because, um, like, I won't say it's 0% no, that nobody's going to bring it, but uh, Mono Red's get, gotten a lot more popular.
0: Mm-hmm. So the one thing is I don't know if people will play Mono Red because of how terrible it did the last time around. It would be, I would, it would be so awesome if it ended up being, like, the top-performing deck, Mono Red, where it's like, okay, this was a terrible deck the last time everybody brought it. And now this time, because the meta is different, it is the best. I think...
1: Oh, well, last time people were just so prepared for it because it was public enemy number one.
0: Yeah. So now Mono Red my, one of the ones I'm thinking about most where it's like, well, it can beat this Team of Adventures deck or it hits so hard and it can hit these other decks as well. I think it might have a chance, but at the same time, it feels so risky because I don't know if people are enough people are going to bring it to actually try. Tough call.
1: So you picked Teamer Adventures as well. For I did. Your, yeah, yeah. Top percentage. Yeah, yeah. For
0: for top percentage, I, I definitely think Teamer Adventures is going to be the one that most people bring.
1: All right, let, let's do a zigzag then. You got to pick your top I know. performance first.
0: I know. So I'm here. I'm thinking. I also have a weird feeling that Rogues is going to show up strong as far as like win percentage. You know what? I'm going to go mono red. I'm just going to go on a limb. I'm going to go out there. Good choice. I was considering that one as well.
1: But you're going to be really excited to hear what I'm picking. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm giving myself the kiss of death.
0: Oh, my God. Are you serious? I'm going
1: to choose (laughs) Rakdos.
0: No way. (laughs) There's no way. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You're picking Rakdos. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: This is my shot all right All right. so then i gotta choose my meta percentage for historic i think there's basically two top decks here there's auras and food
0: wait did you just say auras
1: as in like you know people are gonna play it not yeah that it's good hmm
0: i don't know i think but it's, it's uh, obviously uh, i know, think it's one of the best
1: tier. and uh anyone who plays it should be ashamed but um yeah, those are going to be the two most popular. I'm fairly confident on that. Because Jund had a mediocre performance last time, I wonder if that's going to push Auras to be number one. But again, it's this weird game, because I think Jund is the most powerful deck. It's just that everyone was so ready for it that that's why it had a mediocre performance. But then the pro players are going to know that. and they going to do the whole leveling thing? I'm just going to say Jund food and uh, prepare to be wrong if it's auras just accept that that's a possibility
0: I love auras obviously (laughs) Yeah. but I almost feel like I don't think everyone I don't know if it's going to be the one that most people bring I think it's such a good choice but it's the deck that I want to bring if I think that everyone's playing junk food because the junk food matchup is actually pretty good for auras in my opinion you know what, I'm just going gonna, gonna to go with my baby. I'm going with Oris. <laughs> Silver Quill Oris. Um, as far as uh, top performing deck in Historic. Oh, boy. So, Jeez, I have no idea, man. So this one's hard. So it's kind of like, do I want to stack or do I... If people think that Oris is going to be the top performing deck, then the Jund Company version of the deck is really good against it because of the Priest of Forgotten Gods is great. But because the food version doesn't play Priest of Forgotten Gods, it makes it a lot weaker and it takes longer to, it usually wins through like card advantage, but Auras can draw so many more cards. And it also has recursion. So if I think Auras is gonna be the highest meta percentage, then Jun Company would beat it into the ground. But also maybe there's this weird thing where I was wrong about Auras it actually is John Company, or one of the John decks. And the Abzan midrange deck is the one that comes out on top.
1: Yeah, but people might, might not bring it. Like, that's the crazy thing, too, about doing the League Weekends, is there's not that many participants, right? There's only 70 mm-hmm. players. So, you know, it's possible that nobody even brings Rakdos. You know, yeah. that's, I mean, not that that's ever happened before.
0: But. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know what? It's probably Death Shadow. That's what they're gonna play. <laughs> um, fuck, dude. I'm I'm
1: confident there's not really gonna be any out of the blue decks because it's not worth it. Because like, the format's gonna change in a few days, unless people were like, let's save our off the wall decks for this weekend. You know, the one time, get you know.
0: them. they're gonna play like Golgari Adventures or something.
1: Yeah, or just they've known that Death Shadow is busted the whole time and just didn't and then, play it last time because yeah. they didn't want to reveal the information for this event, which is more important because last time you could only you could get do four,
0: four points. points. Yeah, interesting. Did, yeah, did somebody break it? I have no idea. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna say. Uh, so the last I said uh, the top performing the meta percentage for historic is Silver Quill Auras. So now I'm gonna say that the top performing historic deck is going to be orzavores <laughs> I'm going to double up. I was going to go. Let's go.
1: See, I was inspired by you and I was going to write this for mine. Do you know what deck <laughs> I'm picking?
0: Oh, so you're saying it's going to be lore hold. Um I don't know. What deck are you talking about?
1: Lore hold cycling, baby. Wow, okay. Lore hold cycling. I believe in it. I think Javier Dominguez will run it back, and I think he's a good player. Mm-hmm. So it's got to contribute some win percentage points. Okay. Uh, yeah, he top-aided with it. That kind of put it on the map. The deck looked really good in the games that I watched him play with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see if it can... Uh, okay. And It feels like it should be a deck that can can handle gent food okay to me. So.
0: All right. That was one of the ones I was looking at for standard, because so, um, I really like the... Uh... The other version with the um
1: i thought about going cycling site in both formats
0: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's my picks because I, I like i just it. hate the jessica
1: cycling standard deck too much to really i think it's i like to it acknowledge its presence
0: i like it actually quite a bit but i also play decks that uh, lose to it so that uh their creatures die fairly easily to uh three damage <laughs> every turn <laughs> Uh, anyway, so those are our picks um, for my meta percentage for standard and top performing deck. I did standard is Teamer Adventures and Mono Red, and then for historic I did Silver Quill Auras and then Orzavores, which is of course the same deck.
1: All in on your baby. I am. Yeah, meta percentage. I went Teamer Adventures, top performance, Ractos mid range. Meta percentage in historic junk food and top performance lore hold cycling.
0: That's let's, let's see it, okay.
1: See, I felt like I had such pedestrian picks for the for the top percentage deck that I had to go a little more exotic with my top. I like that.
0: I like Jesus. it. Uh so we will see how that goes this weekend and of course tell you all about it next week probably, maybe we'll see. Um but, you know, all right. Do we have time? Should, should we hear from the audience? Do we have time to talk about these yeah. these Strixhaven cards, possibly? Is that a yes?
1: Should we talk about some Elder Dragons?
0: Maybe some Elder Dragons? I think so. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah.
1: Someone say no if you don't want to hear that.
0: Anyone? No? All right. This episode is going to be kind of long because of this, so is everyone okay? All yeah. right. That's fine. All right.
1: Just, just say shut up. You've talked too long
0: already. <laughs> or, you know, just stop listening or whatever you want to do. Who cares? Um, no, don't do that. <laughs> uh perfect now as i'm looking at this first card i do not uh read the first names of any of these <laughs> characters um but uh jeff would you like to do the honors of starting us off in these elder sure dragons? let's
1: start with velo Lorhold, five red white legendary creature elder dragon flying vigilance haste mm. five five whenever uh Velomachus Lorehold attacks. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value less than or equal to Lore Lorehold's power from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Sweet. So, yeah, you said cards in this set had a lot of text. Uh, so you drop this thing, you attack Flying Vigilance Haste for five, and then you look at the top seven cards, you get to play a spell with uh, MV five or less.
0: So... I do like this because you can play the command off of it. So that's perfectly Lord five and command. five, the yeah. lower hold command. Um, I like that that flavor hit really well because the first thing I was thinking was, can this dragon play the command? And of course it has to, which is great because also that means you're attacking in. If they can block and kill it, if you're casting the lower hold command, if you hit it, you can give it plus one, plus zero and indestructible. And then whatever else you want to do.
1: That's too small ball, man.
0: Oh, I... I are you kidding? I'm all about flavor. Small ball. I, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite cards are like the. <laughs> I'm gonna
1: play like Naya Fury, but I'm gonna replace the five drop that makes mana to protect itself with the seven drop that uh, has to cast it right away.
0: I mean, <laughs> that seems pretty fun too, <laughs> or just like you know double its power or any of that stuff.
1: No, what I immediately thought of with this card was like transmogrify stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you can play a token stack transmogrify into this or luca copper Cotto, cast into this uh and then like you're saying you, you know hope to hit the uh or hold command that's one way to do it and play it in like a jess guy you know the old jess guy luca shells but you're trying to hit this now instead of agent of treachery mm-hmm. that's the, kind of the obvious thing that jumped out to me and i see people talking about that on twitter and stuff what i don't see people talking about though because this is what I want to do in that shell. I want to play the Royal Scions. Okay? Okay. So I have the Royal Scions out. Then I Luke into this. Then I give this plus two, plus one from the Royal Scions. Mm-hmm. Then I attack with this. and now has seven power. Then I hit All Runs Epiphany for free off the top.
0: Ooh.
1: Rinse and repeat. Game over. <laughs> it just needs absolutely everything to go right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see why people aren't doing this. <laughs> Uh, you could also play Elspeth, another way to give plus two power.
0: Or, you know, just the the two mana, like you were saying before, double its power, then you can play whatever you want. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> but let's be honest, like, runs Epiphany is what you want to hit off. This. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, like, the Lorehold Command is, is sweet, but, I mean, they intentionally made you not able to hit runs Epiphany without extra work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or you do something crazy and some weird convoluted thing where you're trying to... Do one of the ultimatums off of this. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's also seven, so you're like, sweet. Um one of the ultimatums. I'll, I'll put it back yeah.
1: What's that one called? That's it's the worst. Brilliant or something. Yeah,
0: you gain some life. It's and, still
1: fucking sweet if you're hitting them for five and then and casting for, that for free. That's true. Or hitting them for seven, I mean.
0: I'm down for this. I, I love that uh Lorehold gets this like free casting spells off the top thing that usually is like a kind of blue blue uh red ability and um
1: I love I love the design of this card. Um I don't know if anyone's gonna play it ever. Yeah. But it's it's powerful. Definitely uh, it could like it wouldn't it's not inconceivable to me that this could be a thing. Yeah, but,
0: I I like that uh, um Trag transmogrify thing, uh because you can uh swing with that on turn four. So uh, yeah,
1: or you could go a little more classic and just try to reanimate it somehow.
0: Mm-hmm. With uh, and um, you know these are the colors in this set to reanimate some stuff. So I guess not creatures; it's more artifacts. But um, yeah, seems pretty doesn't sweet. fit into
1: anything that's going on right now. And uh, you know, but maybe when Eldraine rotates and we have to come up with some new decks that aren't just adventures mid range piles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we actually start to experiment. Exactly, so maybe this will will make its way out of the. Out of the woodwork.
0: I will say once we get into these elder dragons I will laugh because I had seen quite a few takes on Twitter that people were mad. surprise surprise people wait, were mad.
1: Wait. Wait, wait. Magic nerds were complaining on Twitter? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um that they weren't uh they weren't all seven power. <laughs> like the other <laughs> elder dragons. How can you call this an elder dragon if it's not a seven power or something? Well, uh, uh, I don't know. It's called. Haven't there been like making a magic of cards? Nicol Bolas that, that didn't? didn't have that, and it uh, doesn't matter. Uh, anyway,
1: <laughs> because uh, that's irrelevant. It doesn't. That's why.
0: Um, uh, moving on to the next one. This is Galazeth Prismari. It's two blue, red for an Elder Dragon three four with flying. When Galazeth Prismari enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. Artifacts you control have tap, add one mana of any color. Spend this mana only to cast instant or sorcery spells. Make a mox. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, this one's great, I think. Um,
0: I like that it costs four. I love that.
1: Yeah, so this obviously one like this is obviously friends with Goldspan Dragon oh, and it curves right 100%. right into it. And it does the same kind of thing of present a threat and still have mana up to protect it. Mm-hmm. So, I could totally see this being what the Is It Tempo deck was missing. Just another, like, this is a weaker gold. It's not as strong on rate as Goldspan Dragon is, mm-hmm. but it's a similar thing. It's it's adding, like, Goldspans five through eight to the deck. of well, Now I just slam a dragon and I hold up my, my counter spells. Exactly.
0: Or just, like, legit ramps you when you play your Goldspan right after it. Um, they're like, right. oh, sick. I'm making a ton of treasure and now they're just extra lands.
1: Yeah, like if you had any way to generate a treasure earlier in the game, mm-hmm. which you can do with the cards that you discard on end step, you like cycle them away to make a treasure. You drop this on four, now you have two mana to protect it, much like with goldspan. Mm-hmm. You negate whatever they're going to kill it with. Next turn you gold span and shields are still up, and you're just,
0: sitting, you're just pretty sitting pretty. For a long time. I wonder what else, like uh, low uh just like it also just says artifacts so like i don't know if there's any sweet artifacts like really cheap artifact creatures you could play that all turn into mana dorks after you slam this down
1: yeah that's the other way to go right like full combo mm-hmm. uh reminds me a bit of or you know people are drawing comparisons to urza in yeah. modern mm-hmm. and Urza's obviously a lot stronger than this card but it's that <laughs> that card dominated modern so um, yeah, this card seems like the best one to me, just on rate. Uh, yeah. And I, I think people are going to try to do the treasure, the blue-red treasure thing, but I don't think you need to to make this card good. I think it's just it's just a pretty good card.
0: Yeah, it feels pretty good to me. Um, I like it quite a bit, and you could see some, you know, once again, big, uh, big stuff going on as far as, like, you can ramp into some big spell or whatever you want to do, or just, you know best friends with Goldsman Dragon. i am uh, a fan of this one as you said it's probably my favorite of the bunch glad that we got it <laughs> we talked about it's it it's not it my second.
1: favorite but it's the one i think is best oh okay
0: all right well to me it's probably one of my favorite um mm-hmm. but moving on this is this is from your uh we seeing this it's your your college right uh well
1: I guess so. I guess mm-hmm. since I literally went to school for math, then I would, I would have I to. I mean, I'm considering
0: the, the Prismari probably, <laughs> you know, I went to that college technically, I guess. Right,
1: so. yeah, yeah. Drama. This is Tanazir Quantrix. Three green-blue for a 4-4 four, four flying trample. When it enters the battlefield, double the number of plus one, plus one counters on target creature you control. Whenever it attacks, you may have the base power and toughness of other creatures you control become equal to Tanazir Quandrix's power and toughness until end of turn. So this is interesting. It kind of goes tall and and it pays you off for going wide. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, this one kind of bores me a bit. It's just, it just comes into play, doubles something's counters, and then Yeah. I guess if you untap with it, you just kill them probably because you have two or three creatures that are like it overruns almost for free.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where... Yeah, the overrun effect—that's that's nice, but obviously that means that you're playing a lot of other kind of smaller things. Um, I don't love that you just double someone's counters because if you draw the slate and you don't have a board, it just is a you know. That's the thing, four.
1: right? The other two we talked about are really great on an empty board, mm-hmm. and this one's not bad because it's a four-four flying trample, but, but it's not it's not great on an empty yeah, board. It doesn't affect to anything to make it
0: even when particularly you good. yeah even when you have your first attack if you get to play another card on that turn, you know, that's, that's not really changing that's power, I guess. Right. Unless
1: it has haste, which, you know, know, not in these colors, not known for,
0: um, the art looks, I mean, green has some haste, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not, uh, not super exciting to me. Um,
1: like this is your, your fractal token commander, I guess. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like this is sweet. If you get to play that, uh, that one sorcery that makes a, a fractal token equal to the number of cards in your library. And then you play this and double it. Sure. Then is it just a giant thing that can be chumped for days? Um, that gets a little bit bigger when you attack with this, but it, uh, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not like you, if you want to make the biggest fucking thing you could possibly make, sure. This will, this will help for sure. But um, yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about this. I'm not super excited about it. However, this next one, more interested in uh Shadricks silver quill three white black for a two five elder dragon with flying and double strike at the beginning of combat on your turn you may choose two each mode must target a different player target player creates a two one white and black inkling creature token with flying target player draws a card and loses one life target player puts a plus one plus one counter on each creature they control number one the art is the best of all of them it's absolutely
1: yeah, but can I just say though that they're all great art. Like that's I true. Think Raymond Swanland did a, a really nice job on this yeah. set. I do agree that I like this one the best. But uh, because I was admiring when you posted these in the show notes, I'm mm-hmm. like, these all look amazing. Super cool, and I like that the by using the same artist, you know, it just feels like the aesthetic is kept. So Unites
0: like them together.
1: Exactly, mm-hmm. whereas sometimes you have like, oh, this leader looks like, you know, he's a, a Baroque oil painting, and then mm-hmm. this one looks like he's in a comic book. Yeah. Yeah, I like that this is all kept uh, the same, so it, it adds to the immersion that they're all, you know, vying for some sort of power mm-hmm. in the same world.
0: Exactly. This one has like beautiful ink flying off of it and some like little uh, lens flares, which are, which are fun.
1: Gotta yeah. love lens flares. Yeah, of course,
0: yeah. Um, obviously when you look at this card, <clears throat> it feels like it's a straight commander card because as
1: soon as it mentions like targeting different players exactly. and stuff,
0: yeah. Yeah. you're like, Oh, okay. Um, so the commander but player, I actually think
1: it's pretty cool. One on one though. Yeah. Like you choose, you know, sometimes, uh, putting a plus one, plus one, they won't have any creatures. Okay, fine. I give you get a plus one, plus one counter on each creature. Um, or you just give them a two, one to chump this. Like the decisions are interesting.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you're going to give them cards because then they don't have any blockers or the blockers aren't big enough or those kinds of things. Um, but I really like... Sometimes the, you
1: want them to lose that one life.
0: Yeah, because uh, then maybe they're at five and this will kill them or things like that. I just think it's it's a really interesting type of card that you read it. It looks like it's a commander for sure. Um, I don't know if it'll see any other play besides that, but I, I really like the idea of this design. Even in, you know... Even yeah. when you're forced to give your opponent something.
1: It reminds me a bit of Rankle. Rankle was mm-hmm. kind of the opposite, where both players had to give up something. So if you wanted your opponent to discard a card, you would have to do so as well. Mm-hmm. If you wanted your opponent to sack a creature, you would have to do so.
0: Yeah, that's true. I wasn't really thinking about that, but that, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Of course, this triggers start of combat, and that was like if it dealt damage. Exactly,
0: so that your opponent could like try to stop it.
1: But again, this is awesome into an empty board, because you play this, combat starts... You give them the useless counter; they have no creatures, mm-hmm. and you draw a card, or you make a two-one. You know, like
0: yeah, hit them for four. Seems good. I think. No,
1: I'm, I just mean like just just play this. Nothing's on the board. Oh no! Yeah, you yeah. Play it pre-combat, and then you get a two-one, or you
0: oh, get. Oh, a a gotcha, 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 gotcha,
1: Because it, gotcha.
0: it triggers even so. when it's not attacking. That's uh, yeah, it's just at
1: the start of combat.
0: On your turn, awesome, love it.
1: So Quand- Quandrix is the only one that uh, isn't good on an empty board so far. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe that should just be our test. Is it the empty board test? Let's see. Yeah,
1: the empty board test. Meanwhile, Quandrix can be like the only one people play and we're going to look like idiots. <laughs> well,
0: you know, I'm prepared to do that. Um, anyway. Yeah.
1: You were going to say something about Commander, though. Uh,
0: No, I mean, I was just mainly saying that it seems super fun to Commander because anytime you can just give people stuff for free and become friends with them... Uh, it seems...
1: Yeah, like the fact that you have to target an opponent is almost a, a bonus here because you could be like, guys, I have to target somebody and you can mm-hmm. use it as like a, a favor chip. Who wants to buy my favor? Yeah. You know?
0: Because if I'm looking at this and I'm building a deck, almost my entire deck is going to do shit like this probably because I'm like, hey... <laughs> and most of it's going to be like, hey, I'm looking for either whoever's weakest at the moment or or um, whoever's doing the best and I need them to protect me. Either one of those things I'm like... Hey, I'll give you one of the modes, but I get to choose what it is. And they're like, "Okay, well, free stuff's free stuff." I'm like, "Yeah." Or just be like, "I'll do it
1: if you kill that creature." Yeah. Or stuff like that.
0: Um, or if you attack that player, then I'll I'll uh, give you, you know, another creature for a blocking later or a card or whatever you want. Um, but I, I like those choice cards. You know, they're fun, and this seems like a, a better one because it's on a creature. A lot of times, those choices are kind of on uh, spells. Yeah,
1: totally. No, I, I like this design. I don't know if it's good in standard.
0: But it's probably it's not good in standard, but I like it. And uh, th- I'll probably try to do something with it. But I yeah. think you you seem like I could see you wanting to do something with this next one.
1: You know I love Wither Blue. Yeah. <laughs> I love black green. Uh, it's my favorite color combo. So I, this one was the last one spoiled, the one I was most excited for, and also the one I was most confused by when I read it. So I don't really know what to make of it. So... We got Belladros Witherbloom, 5 black green. (laughs) Uh, 4-4 flying. Okay. The beginning of each upkeep. Create a 1-1 black and green pest creature token. With when this creature dies, you gain 1 life. And pay 10 life. Untap all lands you control. Activate only once each turn. You know, at first I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) But after, (laughs) after thinking about it a little more... I think i just love the design they went with on this card mm-hmm. i don't know if it's good or bad um, traditionally doubling your lands has been busted no matter how steep the cost appears at first sight um, but you know this is not wilderness reclamation this is not nissa who shakes the world but i bet it's a little better than it looks mm-hmm. so it's obviously an homage to verdant force which creates a, a 1-1 sapling at each upkeep mm-hmm. This creates something that's a little better than that. It's a 1-1 that dies into one life. And the fact that it flies is a little better. I think a 4-4 flyer in general is a little better than a 7-7 vanilla. Mm -hmm. And then obviously you have this pay 10 life ability. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm imagining a Sultai deck slams this, untaps, all runs Epiphanies. Now it has, you know, two Ravens, this thing, a Pest... uh, Is that good enough? I don't know. Like, why wouldn't you just play Ultimatum if you have seven mana in your Sultai deck? But uh,
0: yeah, I like the. um, Obviously, once again, all these Elder Dragons is going to go into um, Commander just because it's uh, that well. That's the entire format. Um, It's called Elder Dragon Highlander, is EDH. Um, (laughs) So that would make sense, and and the each upkeep is huge in Commander because that means you're going to get four for each rotation. So I obviously seeing this from that lens. I get all of that stuff. I really love... Plus, you could
1: just pay 40 life per turn cycle and just have all your lands untapped for everybody's turn.
0: So there you go. You can do that until eternity. Um, I do like that the ability to untap your lands is instant speed. I think that's really cool. Um, For sure. So the other ones, it's... You know, you could attack into this and they could be like, all right, I'm going to pay 10 life, but like either I have... Some flash things I want to do, or, or you can try to fuck around with something like that. But uh, I don't know. It could, be, uh, it could be sweet. Obviously, untapping your lands is awesome, and yeah. I like that.
1: And I'm really loving the way Witherbloom looks with all the life gain stuff and mm-hmm. the ways to pay life for kind of busted effects. Exactly. Um, I think that's a really fun design space. My only struggle with this card is, like, currently in standard for seven mana, the expectation is that you win the game, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're going to compare against Sultai Ultimatum or uh, <laughs> Emergent Ultimatum. Yeah. And it's like that card just wins the game. So why am I playing seven mana don't win the game when there's seven mana win the game? Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. Is this even one of the things that you, you wouldn't even want to like search for this, right?
1: You can't. Right? Oh, because there's
0: two colors. Um, yeah. Yeah
1: so the other option then is like reanimator mm-hmm. so if you're going to reanimate this then now i'm starting to buy it because you're cheating it out ahead of if you're just trying to ramp up into this you should probably just play ultimatum mm-hmm. but if if you're going to mill this over somehow and then or discard it and then reanimate it uh that i can buy and then have all your mana up to protect it mm-hmm. that seems cool right. so i think if this is going to be a thing it's it's some sort of reanimator
0: shell mm-hmm. Yeah, like
1: I love reanimators, so I'm gonna try this. Mm-hmm. We just don't really have any good reanimation things, yeah, necessarily. Are, are like this is the best one. Are you playing Rise but again? Nissa already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is or sorry, yeah, Nissa. This is yeah. the best one, mm-hmm. but Nissa asks that you already have seven lands to return
0: this. So, so. that's frustrating. But then when you return it, it's a it's a what is it a five five so. That's a little bit better. I don't know. Uh, it seems hard. Like
1: 6-6. Uh, six, six. It puts two counters. Oh, it puts
0: two. I thought it was one. Okay. If you can you know, use the tokens for something.
1: Yeah. I'm loving the look of Witherbloom. I'm going to build some yeah. horrible Witherbloom mid-range deck. That it seems cool. And then also a horrible Witherbloom reanimator deck that tries to reanimate this. And I'm going to have a lot of fun mm-hmm. losing. But uh, <laughs> I'm excited. I do like the look of it.
0: Anyway. Uh, hey, hey, Jeff. Do you hear that? What? I think it's I think it's last call. Last call already? Yeah, already. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we better go to last call. All right. Three, two, one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We we're both uh we're twice as mad this episode. Yes. Because um wow that was a really Although good Well the sound. fact
1: that you picked my beer makes me a little happier. So maybe
0: I'm just regular mad. Oh, okay. So you're just a mad Tom, but I'm twice as mad Tom because you didn't pick mine. And I also didn't pick mine. Yeah, I'm just that gonna, makes sense. Uh, so as always, we are rating our beers on a scale of Bronze to Mythic, which of course are the tiers in Arena that you can play in. Um, a quick overview, if you are new to the show, um, uh, These, uh, once again, these are never talking about players and what we think about players who are in different tiers. That's important to note. It's just a way to rank things. Um, So we don't, this is not how I feel about bronze players. But however, bronze beers are trash. They're the worst. You don't even want to finish (laughs) them. Um, Silver beers are macro brews or things that you just not, a lot is going on, but you know, they're kind of there. Uh, Gold are fine, but you just won't really think about them or drink them that much. Platinum is a solid beer. You'll definitely drink again and you like it. Uh, Diamond is exceptional and you'll recommend to someone and then Mythic is the absolute best beer you would recommend to a stranger at the store, on the street, at a bar, anywhere. Um, You love, love, love that. Uh, So let's start off with the one we're not drinking right now, which is the uh, Orange cream Ale. Yes.
1: Um, Sure. So I did think they did a really good job of executing on what they wanted to Mm -hmm. to me this did taste like an orange creamsicle um i i totally got that like the kind of creaminess they had in there gives me that that kind of milk product vibe uh it definitely was orangey um but as i kind of mentioned i don't like creamsicles so that's that's why i didn't really like this one that much Mm -hmm. um it's it's very sweet you know and I wish the ale part of creamsick ale was a little more pronounced.
0: Interesting. That's so I I have exactly the opposite feeling. Where huh. um it I, I got the cream ale the for sure and it tasted like a nice, you know, cream ale. Um I was missing some orange. Um it wasn't as like I was thinking it was gonna be a lot sweeter than it was, which was actually kind of nice. Being crazy? Yeah. Oh
1: no. man, that smells like orange. Really? I, I
0: didn't get a ton of it. Um, but it, it was like, when I poured it out, I was like, oh, this color is a lot lighter than I thought. And tasting, it, it didn't I was look like...
1: like I thought it would for sure. It was yeah. very pale.
0: Um, but, um, I mean, I thought it was nice. It would, if it's like ice cold on a hot day, it would be good. Um, but today it was like, it was fine. I will probably forget it and then be like, oh, and I'll probably pick it up one time being like, have I tried this before? And I'll taste it like, oh, right. Yep. It was fine. Um, right. I'm going to give it a, a gold for sure. Um,
1: yeah, I was thinking gold too, and I was, I'm only kind of giving it gold because it's like, uh, for me, they executed on their <clears throat> design plan.
0: Yeah. I, I can definitely tell that they weren't trying to go overboard, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it definitely wasn't too much, and they could have possibly bumped it up, and I'd be totally fine. Um, it's definitely not deserty in my mind, as opposed to some of the other ones we've had that are more dessert-focused. It didn't feel like that to me, where I was like, this is borderline yeah. if I'm going to like it. I was like, it, it definitely tasted I like guess beer I see to what me. you're
1: saying. Like, I think the maybe the thing is I don't want a beer that tastes like creamsicle, and this tasted too much like creamsicle for me. Yeah. So if they're going to do that thing, don't, like, don't try to be safe, because I'm not going to like it anyways. Mm-hmm. So you might as well kick it up into high gear for like, you know, the customers like you who want it to taste like exactly. a creamsicle.
0: Um, so it's definitely the kind of one that like I could get more and be fine with it uh, and be like, oh, it's really just like a cream ale. It's not super creamsicley, Um but it's not something I'm going to show like this thing is crazy and it tastes like you're drinking a creamsicle. It's not it doesn't have that quality at all. Um, which most of the time yep. when I'm going for something crazy, stupid, weird like this, that's, a, that's basically what I'm looking for. Um, but true. I uh,
1: guess if you're buying the, the cream sick ale,
0: you're you expecting want it to taste like um, a cream-sick ale. But all around, I think it was like you know it's a fine beer. I, I just don't care too much for it, but um, um, yeah, I, I could have it again and be like, oh, it's, it was very nice. So, but yeah, not, I probably wouldn't have it again. If, I mean, like, but
1: you know, if somebody had one and was offering me one or whatever, I'd exactly. Like, sure,
0: the client, well, that's a yeah. classic, like, yeah. hey, if someone hands you a beer, are you not going to drink it? Like, right, <laughs> so actually, uh, I, I, even bronze
1: beers, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for the, the Coors or thanks for the Molson, yeah, or whatever.
0: I don't, well, I don't consider Coors and Molson bronze beers to be fair.
1: Oh, what? those are silver,
0: bronze, yeah, those is are like silver,
1: bad, uh, bad macro brews.
0: Uh, yeah, bronze is like you took that macro brew and you left it outside and you cracked it. And you're like, I don't even want to finish okay, this. Okay, okay. There have been beers where I taste them and I'm like, I can't even. I'm Well, those
1: ones this. I might turn down. There. I'm dumping if it in my the my friend's like, hey, do you want this Budweiser that I opened last night and forgot to drink and yeah. left out in the sun? I'd be like, no, no, I don't want that.
0: That's what I consider bronze. We're like, something <laughs> went wrong. Like, this is not correct. <laughs> yeah. Like, something was bad. So we haven't had one of those yet. Am I
1: going to get sick?
0: Yeah. That, that's the kind of thing that I, I think like really bottom of the barrel. Is this even beer? Like you kind of missed some ingredients this is how I feel with bronze. Um, that's why we've never seen them or a silver beer. We don't really bring <laughs> yeah, silver beers. Have... Yeah. One day though, we'll bring a silver beer. Uh, but as far as this twice as mad Imperial IPA, what do you think?
1: Yeah. I, I love this beer. Um, to me, this is kind of the quintessential example of, you know, people might not like Mad Tom because they feel it's too strong. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, I definitely won't like twice as Mad Tom. And then when I, this is when I give, you know, my speech, I guess that, uh, actually the doubles are usually smoother mm-hmm. tasting because the alcohol balances out the hops and the, uh, um, barley flavor that. That is what you're perceiving as strong. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people will get an IPA, and be like, "Ooh, uh, it tastes strong," and they think it's because it's six or six and a half percent. But the str- the quote-unquote strongness that they're tasting is actually the hops or the barley, you yeah. know, the malt character. Um, and so when you have this twice as mad, Tom, it actually is more more balanced. The double IPAs tend to be a bit more balanced than their single IPA counterparts, and taste smoother. Now it's kind of more dangerous, right? Because it's, you know, now it's like eight and a half percent and it tastes less strong. Yeah. For me, this is, yeah, kind of the quintessential example of this. I like it better than Mad Tom. I think it's a more balanced beer and I think it's just delicious.
0: I agree. Uh, I think it's a lot better than Mad Tom and uh, probably one of the best Muskoka beers that I've had. Um, I like it uh, quite a bit. Usually that's... It's it's that,
1: my favorite that they make too.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that that's, uh, that's correct. It is probably the best one they make uh so with that i'm gonna go nice and high give this a diamond i like this
1: yeah i'm gonna Mm -hmm. uh, i'm gonna give this a mythic with the full like the full understanding that there's a bit of nostalgia factor gotcha uh going into that rating that Mm -hmm. you know i kind of uh, cut my teeth on craft beer with muskoka beers and mad tom in particular and when i found twice as mad tom i had that expectation that it would be too strong for somebody who's kind of new to craft beer like oh it's actually better holy shit nice and that kind of blew this was
0: like i got it okay nice all right that's cool i like that story that's good um yeah Yeah. it seems so this is just
1: one of my favorite beers Um,
0: nice all right um yeah i think it's great um it definitely is a great uh, representation of like an imperial ipa
1: there was also a time like a little before you moved here that muskoka was like the kind of craft beer there wasn't much there was a few other kind of breweries you could get but it was the first kind of big craft brewery if that makes sense along Mm -hmm. with Mill street
0: yeah but with that i think it is closing time closing time we sing this every episode (laughs) um (laughs) but
1: only there were more songs about it
0: (laughs) So if you want to send us some songs about closing time or something about the end of a podcast, I don't know, uh, you can reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Yeah, Um, you can't communicate that information to us on MTG Arena itself, but you can give us a fun emoji or emote or, uh, you know, sticker. If you have one of your favorites, yep. we'll be playing under the username Arena Regulars Podcast.
0: Yes. And if you want to talk to me personally about any of my views on this podcast or the editing or any of the, <laughs> that stuff, uh, you can find me personally at Zulberg on Instagram and Twitter. That's Z E U L B E R G. But Jeff, where can they find you?
1: You can find me at Blues Brews MTG on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I haven't streamed in a while, but I might get back to it at some point. Uh, if I do, I'll be streaming at twitch.tv slash
0: Absolutely. And uh, please, please, if you like the show, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on um, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Anchor, anywhere that you can find us or you're listening to us right now. Uh, just give us a little love. Um, it'd be great. It makes a huge difference for us. And uh, give us your feedback because we will probably change depending on whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Arena Regulars.
1: Hoping that somebody brings Rakdos. Good
0: night. (sighs) All right, that's fine.